Welcome to the Vita Foods Insights Podcast. Join us as we explore the latest in science and innovation, helping the global health and nutrition industry connect, develop, and progress. Today's host is Charlotte Bastianza, Associate Editor. Hi, and thank you for tuning into the Spider Foods Insights podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Rob Winwood, who is Manager of Nutrition Science and Advocacy for the EMEA region at DSM Nutritional Products. Thanks for joining me today, Rob. Oh, I'm very pleased to be here. So today we're talking about the world of opportunity relating to plant-based omega-3s and their role in creating a healthy and sustainable market for industry and consumer. Uh, The wider omega-3 market, I'd say, is is well established and omega-3s themselves are are conventionally sourced from fish oil. But over the years, this has led to an evolving concern for sustainable sourcing, especially around this topic of overfishing. And there's also an overall wider trend towards plant-based diets that has put pressure on the omega-3 supply chain to to innovate toward more sustainable alternatives. I think the latest figure I actually heard was that 96% of the global population is estimated to actually consume insufficient levels of omega-3s. And the importance of developing innovative, appealing products that support adequate DHA and EPA levels will only continue to grow from this, I think. Now, Rob, I'd say there is substantial awareness for omega-3s and and their health benefits relating to heart and brain, blood pressure, inflammation, and the nervous system. But in light of the coronavirus impact, which which has impacted actually multiple industries and sectors, especially ours here in health and nutrition, we are seeing this increased interest from the consumer in immune-boosting products. So, Rob, I'm interested in starting our conversation with not only why omega-3s are so important for human health, but actually what are some of the benefits that omega-3s can offer for immunity in particular, since this is such an area of high interest at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You're quite right. Immunity is very much the thing we're all thinking about at the moment um, because of the, the COVID crisis. But actually, even before that, if you talk to the millennials and new generation, they are much more focused on health than perhaps um, their old, older generations were in the past. Uh, first of the things to confirm is absolutely right. The uh, European Food Safety Authority has issued uh, health claims in the European Union for uh, the beneficial effects of omega-3 fatty acids for the heart, for the eye and for the brain. Um, and that's all quite well established. But absolutely, as you say, um, the effects of omega-3 on the body of the whole are, are much more holistic than that, have effects on all, all kinds of things. Um, and though these don't have official claims yet, there is a lot of science that goes goes behind that. And in fact, if we look at omega-3s generally, we have something in the order of some 40,000 or more uh, papers produced and over 4,000 uh, randomized clinical control trials uh, on, on the whole area. So it's, it's a really well-researched area. And I guess what I would like to focus on, well, there's just some, some areas just to, to, that you may not have thought about in terms of omega-3s. And these would be things, something like, as well as immunity, things like performance in sports, muscle recovery, um, sleep, uh, and even mood. And these are things that are, there are a lot of uh, publications out there about that. And we, we can certainly talk a bit more about that. But coming back to immunity specifically, um, we're all concern, very much concerned about having a good immune system at the moment. And when we're fighting the and the, trying to prevent getting COVID disease, then being healthy, making sure that you have optimal nutrition, I think is generally accepted as a good thing. However, 
omega-3s themselves actually have a very specific role here. Um, rather than just say they're good for the immunity, actually what they do is that when you consume uh, DHA and EPA, the, the major uh, omega-3 fatty acids, these are actually me metabolized into uh, a series of other intermediates uh, which are extremely important in resolving inflammation. So what happens here is in something like a disease like COVID-19, once you actually get the disease, then your lungs start to get highly affected, particularly the tissue on the surface of the, uh, of the lungs. Um, and what is required there is that you start getting uh, the, the virus will attack that tissue uh, and then start producing uh, inflammation. What is required is something to douse that inflammation down, basically become a kind of sort of fireman for, for the lungs. Um, and we know almost uniquely uh, among the nutrients that are around, this is something that omega-3s can do. Uh, there are partic one particular group of chemicals are called resolvins, and uh, as their name suggests, uh, one of their roles is to uh, very much to re resolve that inflammation. So it dampens down that inflammation that's there. And this is particularly important because what happens in the COVID situation is you get what is called the cytokine storm. So this is a reaction, overreaction of the body to the viral attack. And what we would hope, I mean, this obviously has got to be proven by trials, but we would hope to see um, that some, something which has uh, resolving properties on that uh, particular attack would be something that could be beneficial. Thanks for providing that overview, Robin, for helping us to understand how um, omega-3s can play a role in immunity. Um, as we mentioned, that it's certainly an area that consumers are, are looking at. And I think it's interesting that you mentioned the interest coming from the millennial generation. And I echo your point that they are considerably invested in their healthcare and and certainly in, in active lifestyle. So really good to point out um, the benefits for sports nutrition too. And um, I think this is also the generation that is demanding action against damage to natural environments environment and raw material sourcing. Absolutely. So this rising demand has resulted in accelerated overfishing in recent years, putting pressure on natural resources. So I think there's an inevitable need to reinvent the supply chain and advocate for more sustainably sourced ingredients and the plant-based revolution for the omega-3 industry. So Rob, can you talk a little bit to that point? Where are the opportunities here for the omega-3 industry to, to reinvent the supply chain um, to meet both, I think, industry demand as well as in consumer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we we reached what I would call peak fish oil production um, quite some years ago now, maybe four or five years ago, which means actually the available fish oil globally is um, reducing year by year now. So there has to be some kind of, of, of alternative around. Um, and therefore, there's considerable interest uh, in finding a uh, sustainable way of producing uh, omega-3 oils and uh, going forward. And the way that was done was actually with the, um, the company that I joined some years ago, a company called Martech Bioscience. And what they did was use um, a, a particular type of microalgae um, and use that in fermentation. And they basically uh, were able to produce an oil from that algae um, that contained, um, first of all, just DHA, but then DHA and EPA. Um, and in a, in a way, in a, a very sustainable form. Now, the way this is done is that the algae are grown in what I call contained fermentation vessels. They have no contact with the outside. They're just grown in the dark. The process which the fermentation which takes somewhere in the order of two weeks. 
Um, there's, it's, it's completely, a, it uses very little in terms of land area, um, not so much in terms of, of energy. It's a very, very much an environmentally friendly uh, and sustainable way of doing things. So you can say the carbon footprint of doing this is, is something which is really quite low. And of course, you've got the advantage if you're going to use something like a microalgae, then that means it's suitable for, for vegans, for people who don't want to consume uh, animal products anyway, and also people who may have concerns um, regarding uh, ocean-borne contaminants. Now, having said that, most omega-3 oils which are available on the market are really highly tested and absolutely free of ocean-borne contaminants anyway. But there is a perception out there that there's still a risk at some point. So if you go for an alcohol form, then these particular types of omega-3 oils uh, haven't had any contact with the ocean at all at any stage. Great, that's awesome. And um, I think, Rob, in addition to the concern of sustainability, we're, we're also seeing a transition towards plant-based options and vegetarian diets, I think, driven not only from an environmental concern, but also um, through these evolving eating habits and what they mean for overall individual health. So I think um, really interesting to see the evolution of, of towards plant-based sources for omega-3s. Mm. Yeah. Um, so Rob, what alternatives to fish oil are available for dietary supplement, food and beverage producers, and how can they help meet demand for omega-3s? You mentioned this microalgae grown in the dark and under oh. environmentally friendly conditions, which I think is really, really interesting from a sustainability perspective, but I'd also like to hear a bit more about um, what is some of the science that exists to support you know, the efficacy of non-marine omega-3 sources? Oh, no, let, let, let's do that. Just to say there, there are a number of different sources of those particular omega-3 fatty acids, DHA and EPA, but they all tend to be marine based. So they come from usually from some form of marine organism. Mm -hmm. The only variation from that is that there have been um, trials done with genetically modified um, cereal crops, particularly uh, in the UK here, we have genetically modified camelina, um, and, and those can be, uh, the seeds of those plants can be extracted to form EPA and DHA. But of course, those are then uh, a, ge a genetically modified source, and not everybody wants that. So, um, Looking forward to, are there other sources? Well, I'd say there are, are other fish sources. You can get it from krill. You can get it from Calanus um, and a number of other fish organisms. But of course, this, the same issue is there, that it's, uh, it's still fish oil. Then the question you might want to ask is, well, this um, DPA and EPA that you get from algaloids, is it the same as that we get from fish? And what I can tell you as, as a scientist is that from a chemical point of view, they are absolutely identical. Um, they're both the triglyceride forms of the omega-3 fatty acids. That's what's naturally present in fish, and that's exactly what the algal forms. In fact, the only reason that the fish has the, those particular omega-3 fatty acids there in the first place is that they consume algae in the sea, which can say, surprise, surprise, um, those particular EPA and DHA. So they, the natural source, actually, even in fish, is from those marine algae. That's really good to hear and have your confirmation that they have um, equal properties. I think that speaks a lot to the work that can be done around looking at alternative sources. Um, and Rob, you know, the omega-3 category is certainly very well established, and I have no doubt that our experts in the space, such as yourself, will continuously work to meet um, evolving challenges and keep up with current trends. I also think the ability to provide sustainably sourced or alternative 
alternatively sourced omega-3s um, uh, put companies at really good competitive advantages. Um, I think that's something absolutely worthwhile to consider. But what are some of the other opportunities to innovate within this market, whether that's from a formulation or delivery format perspective? We've spoken a lot about um, the opportunity to use sustainability mm-hmm. and alternative sources as an, as an advantage. But I'm wondering, you know, where are areas that this, this market may be stagnated? And, you know, what are the opportunities to innovate to keep the Omega-3 category very current and relevant for both supply chain stakeholders as well as consumers? Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I mean, you're absolutely right. This market has been around for what some three decades now, even in terms of the alcohol forms. We're getting up to uh, nearly 20 years old. So you, you may say, well, are things really, uh, is this a, a totally stagnant market? The answer, I think, is not. Um, the science, it continually changes. Now, just to give you one example, we now know that our genes, our genetics, play quite an important role uh, in terms of the amount of omega-3 which is actually um, kept retained within the cells of your body. So what it means is that one person might have a completely different way of retaining omega-3s than others. So if you just take the lowest level, which we generally recommend, which is 250 milligrams a day within here in Europe um, for, for health reasons, that might be fine for um, the majority of people, but there'll be some people for which that actually doesn't do anything at all. And they end up with very still with very low blood levels and they need quite a lot more than that. And I can say this with reason. I've worked in this industry for getting on for 15 years now. And each time I get tested, I, I can actually find that my blood levels of, of omega-3 minutes are surprisingly low and I keep upping my level. I'm now at mm. two grams, two, I'm now at two grams a day and I've got to um, a sort of an omega-3 index, which is the way in which we measure this, of around about six, seven percent, which still isn't great, but that's an awful lot of omega-3 fatty acids to do that. But it just gives an idea that variation out there is much bigger. So if you want to be sure, you're going to need more than that 250 milligrams and ideally you should be tested anyway. But just bearing in mind that recommendation that we currently have is very much the lower level. If we want to start hoping that we might have some effect, some, say, protective effect um, against various health conditions, then we are going to need higher levels. And actually, the European Union already recognises this because it has a separate set of health claims for supplements, whereby the consumption of two grams a day is required to lower the level of triglycerides or lower blood pressure. Um, and we know, know that for a number of clinical trials, but that's a completely different amount. Now, that gives us a challenge. Two grams a day is a lot. I can I tell you that, again, from personal circumstance, when I'm trying to consume one gram um, capsules, they're really big. They're like torpedoes. Um, whereas I'm used to using them, not everybody else is. So how do we get around that problem? Well, what we do is apply various t- forms of concentration technology. And that means that we can decrease the size of that capsule, maybe four, five-fold, maybe even more. And that makes it a lot easier to deal with. The other thing to bear in mind when we're starting talking about consuming larger amounts of of omega-3s is that there there can be a taste issue. Um, Capsules are usually the people who make them and do a really good job, no leakage, no anything. But under certain conditions, if you have your capsules with hot drinks or whatever, um, you will get some uh, flavor release. So it's very important that the fish or algal oil that um, is in there has a very low taste parameters. One of the advantages of, of algal oils is that it's produced in such a, um, a contained way 
that in fact the conditions which normally bring about the oxidation which brings about the fishy taste very rarely occurs and certainly uh, all the producers of algalars are very careful to make sure that they do organoleptic testing um, before it's released onto the market so that means that you can start using with some certainty um, an alkaline in products which might have quite sensitive flavors so as an example i've seen it used in um, uht milk uh, which normally you'd be able to detect if there's any fish note there at all uh, you'd certainly know all about it but you can do that um, not to say that you can't do it with a good fish oil as well you, you can um, but it's just easier. You can be uh, absolutely certain that the that the algal oils um, haven't don't, won't have that issue in the first case. And I do just need to say, when we talk about fishy taste in fish oils, that doesn't come from the reason it comes from fish at all. That's absolutely a misnomer. Um, the reason it's there is due to oxidation of the fatty acids, EPA and DHA. They're very highly unsaturated molecules and therefore are very readily and very easily um, oxidized. And the, the types of oxidized materials that are produced produce the fleshy taste. But you don't actually need any fish there whatsoever. Rob, thanks for outlining those daily dosage recommendations. I, I hope in future we can see more consumers get their omega-3 levels tested and ensure that they meet these for the various healthcare benefits that we've outlined. Um, yeah. Really interesting that you pointed out the origin of the fishy taste. I think that's often overlooked, that it comes from the process and not from the actual marine source itself. And I know that that is a, an area that omega-3 manufacturers continuously battle with um, this issue of taste and texture. Yeah. Um, Rob, thank you very much for joining me today on this podcast and lending your insights around the omega-3 market and the opportunity for, for product developers to consider sustainable alternatives, including you know these algal sources that you've mentioned. I think this is a market that will always continue to be a leader in the nutraceutical space, certainly, and industry stakeholders can certainly innovate to boost their own competitive standpoint, as well as play a pivotal role, I think, in helping the global population achieve improved health. And at the same time, looking after our planet. So thank you very much for joining me today on this podcast. You're very welcome. Thank you.